From the Quadesh Family Church, Apostle Joel Obobasa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. Today we're continuing to talk about Tears on my pillow. <laughs> and, and pain in my heart. <laughs> so, we're talking about offenses. <laughs> Causes of tears on your pillow and pain in your heart. <laughs> what a blessing. Amen. Okay. So, we've been talking about offenses from the new book, Those Who Are Offended. You know, and if you haven't obtained your copy yet, I really want to encourage you to get that downloaded and be blessed by a great teaching from a great teacher. Amen. And um, I believe you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. All right. So we've been reading Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7, which says, Woe to the world. Woe unto the world because of offenses. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom they come. Amen. Amen. Right. So woe unto the world because of offenses seems to be suggesting that the world will not be able to do anything about offenses. That means it is not something we can avoid. And so, he says, woe unto us. We're going to have a lot of problems in this world because of offenses. Do you understand? Yes. I mean, if you have seven billion sinners moving around, you can... Expect that one of them at least will step on your toe and do so often. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yes. It's unrealistic to live in a world with seven billion sinners, you know, and nobody will offend or upset you, right? So it says, woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. That means offenses are necessary. Do you see? Yes, they are necessary. They are a necessary evil or a necessary um, unpleasant. Re- Amen. It unfortunately, we can't do anything about it. Then it says, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. That means then 
that it is also important that you try not to be a source of offense to people. Amen. Amen. Try not to offend people intentionally. Do you see? I'm going to do this to hurt you. Is not a good thing because the Bible says woe unto someone who causes offense. Do you get it? You're in enough trouble when you cause it unintentionally. So I can imagine that you would be in much more trouble when you cause it intentionally. Do you see? Yeah. So that is very important. The other verse is Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. And that one says, um, Then he said unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. You know, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Which again means that offenses are unavoidable. Amen. Amen. Yes, that offenses are going to come. So to be offended is not news. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Ex- exactly. It is, I mean, and in, in, to an extent, um, when we come to accept that offenses are a part of something, we are very accommodating of them. Do you see? And even if someone tells you uh, uh, that they are having a situation, for example, if I said to you that, you know, yesterday my wife offended me, I don't think you're going to say, wow, what a shock. I think you will just let it pass. <laughs> and you say, next. <laughs> Do you see? Yes, but that is because you have come to accept that it is not strange that in a marital situation, people offend each other. Especially if you're in one yourself. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because when you marry somebody, it's like you have bought an offense vending machine. <laughs> you, have, you have your personal offense vending, only that this one works untriggered. <laughs> Doesn't need any coins. It's just dispensing. <laughs> And it it has always has stocked up fully. Oh my Lord. (laughs) Yes. The Bible actually says those who marry will have trouble in the flesh. Yeah. 
You see. Oh yeah, it's too late for. You know, John Jack and Co. It's too late. <laughs> Yep. So, um, number one, it says there will be offenses that will hurt you. Do you see? There will be offenses that will hurt you. Number two, there will be offenses that will anger you. And number three, there will be offenses that will produce resentment and hatred. Do you get it? Yes. So we need to watch out. Number four, there will be offenses that will be difficult to forget, forgive and forget. Yeah. Some things, you remember them because they scar you. You see. And so they leave a memory of themselves on you. You know, and they become difficult to forgive. Not impossible to forgive, just harder to forgive and to forget. Then number five, there will be offenses that will bring problems. And number six, there will be offenses that will bring woes. All right? Yeah. So we talked about these and then... Last time, I think we started talking about um, how to deal with them, right? So, I'm going all the way down to chapter 18 to talk about how to overcome them. Amen. Amen. John chapter 16 and verse 1, the Bible says, these things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. Amen. Amen. You know, this particular verse was interesting to me because I was thinking how earlier we had read a verse that said it is impossible but that offenses should come. You get it? But here, Jesus is saying that I've told you certain things so you do not become offended. Do you get it? So it means then that how we communicate and what we communicate, you know, can be a great source of help for dealing with offenses. Do you get it? Yes. Right? That it says, these things are spoken unto you that he should not be offended. So it means they can be overcome. Are you getting it? Yes. That we may not be able to stop them from coming, but when they come, we can overcome them. We can stop them from overthrowing us and completely consuming us and destroying our relationships, destroying even our own selves, because sometimes people are so bitter that they are being destroyed by the bitterness, and they can't even see it. You know, sometimes you see that a person's looks, 
are changing because of what constantly dominates their mind. You know, you know that sometimes your mind rearranges your face. Is it not true? Yeah. Sometimes what you're thinking about, you know, arranges your face. And when those thoughts are good and beautiful, you find yourself smiling when there's really nothing to smile at. Do you get it? That's when you know that the source of the smile is internal. Do you get it? There's something going on in your head that is making you smile. Do you get it? Now, similarly, when those thoughts are negative, when you continue to play and replay, you know, incidents, you know, people's actions and painful experiences in your head, you know, it forms on your face. Do you get it? So the mind is the projector and the face is the screen. <laughs> do, do, do you understand it? <laughs> you get it? <laughs> and whatever the mind <laughs> is processing, you know, is thrown onto the screen. And so over time, you can see a very beautiful person and they are so changed. You get it? They, are so, they have a permanent frown. Yes, they, they have a perpetual frown and it's because of this thing that they can't get off their minds. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So it is possible to overcome them. And you should be interested in overcoming them. Because it will otherwise destroy you. You get it? Yes. People who have hurt you in the past, you know, not only have an effect of an effect on your past, but they seem from the past to be able to freeze and influence your present and rob you of the future. Do you see what I'm saying? Whatever happened a long time ago seems to be able to come into the now and influence what is going on here and, and many times freeze what is going on here, does not allow certain things to happen here and then robs you of the future because most of the future depends on what is happening here. Are you understanding it? So it is very important that you are interested in how to overcome offense, especially if it's something that Jesus has promised that living in this world comes with it. Jesus said, living in this world will come with offenses. You know, unless you follow Elon Musk to Mars. <laughs> Do you get it? But if this is where you're going to live your life, you're going to be offended by someone and by something 
and by some situation. Amen. Amen. So I am saying then that if offense is that common, then we must master how to overcome it. Amen. Amen. So for example, you don't leave a church because you got offended. Because it's not news. And it's not like if you go to the next church, you will not be offended. You might actually be offended on the way to the next church. (laughs) You might not even get there before you are offended. You get it? Or when you get to the next church, you should ask them, has anybody left this church because they were offended? And they'll tell you, oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. You get it? So you find sometimes the world, the church world is full of people moving from church to church. A kind of, you know, merry-go-round movement dancing to the tune of offense. (laughs) Yes. This one moves because of that. And that one moves because of that. And that one moves because of that. And that one moves because of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we must develop some stamina. So this chapter aims at arming us with the knowledge and the thoughts that we need to have in order to overcome them. Amen. Amen. Number one is to expect to be offended. (laughs) Yes. People you're expecting don't give you a shock when they arrive. Isn't it? Yes. Like this morning, I was not expecting um, um, Dr. Robert. Robert. We should send him to the sound to see if, if he still remembers how to since he got married. <laughs> you get it. So I was not expecting him. So Pastor Charles told me just at the door that Robert is coming to church. I said, wow. <laughs> I was unprepared for it. You get it. Yes. But I was expecting any to come to church. So, <laughs> And to bring her, bring her beloved along. You see. Yeah. So, when I saw Annie, it was not a surprise. But when I saw Robert, that was a surprise. Do you get it? Yes. So, it means that part of the power of offense over us comes from the fact that it is not expected. Do you see? Yes. And the reason why it hurts a lot is because you are not expecting it and you are not prepared for it. Yes. Sometimes when you are not prepared for a visitor and one shows up, it puts you under stress. (laughs) Is it not true? Yes. you under stress you see yes and the stress 
makes you sometimes misbehave. Yes, makes you misbehave. Because you are stressed. You have been overtaken. And something you weren't expecting to happen has happened to you. Do you see? So you're not likely to act right. You see, that's the reason why they take people through fire drills. And they create an, create an artificial situation. Do you get it? So you, you learn how to behave when the unexpected happens. In fact, they are even trying to train you to expect it. That this alarm can go off. There can be a fire in this building. Do you see? Yes. And so, part of the power that offense has over us is arises out of our unpreparedness for it. The lack of expectation. You see? And it hurts a lot where it is expected the least. So, church offenses are some of the most painful because your mind is that it is a place full of saints. <laughs> That's the home of saints. Yes, it's a gathering of the saints. Then, offenses in relationships also hurt a lot because that's the love zone. You see, yes. And most of our immature perception of love does not include any unpleasantries. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. So when your beloved hurts you, it's very painful. And when your husband hurts you, it's even more painful. More painful. Why? Because the person who is hurting you is also permanent. <laughs> Do you see? Because sometimes when it's, when, it's, when it's a beloved, you know, you get a little bit of relief from the thought that this is still disposable. <laughs> Do you see? Yes. I don't, I don't have to do this forever. You get it? When you know you don't have to do something forever, it makes it a little more bearable. I don't have to do this. When I'm tired of this, when I've had enough of this, I'm out of here. Yes. But when is the husband or the wife? You get it? You ask yourself, is this how I'm going to... You get it? Is this how I'm going to live the rest of my life? Yeah. You see, and so it, 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 you, you see, you grieve not for the, just for the moment, but for the future. That's why it becomes a lot. You see, yes. You grieve for the moment, for today, for next week, for next year, for five years to come. I mean, all the pain ahead is born today. <laughs> you see. And so it becomes very painful. 
Are you getting it? Yes. But we need to take Jesus' word seriously and begin to expect offense. Expect to be offended in the church. Amen. Amen. Then expect to be offended in your relationship. Do you see? Expect to be offended by your children. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, children can be very offensive, but what it is is that they are children, you see, and we keep forgiving them, forgiving them, but as they grow up, you start to see that now you're dealing with adults. <laughs> you get it? Yes. And you're dealing with adults who are offending you. And in some cases, so you know there are some situations where parents don't talk to their children. Yes, and, and children don't talk to their parents either, you know, which is an evil. You get it? Because the Bible says that when the hearts of children, let's read that verse. It's the last verse in the Old Testament. So go to the Old Testament of your Bible, you know, find, find the Old Testament and then and the, that's Malachi, isn't it? Chapter 4. And then verse 6. It says that, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Can you see it? And the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Can you see that? Yes, the heart of the fathers towards the children, isn't it? Yes, and then the heart of the children towards the father, lest I come and do what? What? Smite the earth. Right. So what it's saying is that there must be an interfacing of the hearts of fathers towards their children and children towards their fathers. There must be an alignment of faces, do you understand, and hearts. Where there is misalignment of the hearts, you know, of fathers and children, you see that the conditions are ripe for a curse. Do you, do you get the picture? So look at this verse. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. You see, it says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Do you see the thing? Yes. That it's not a one-way road. I'll be to him a father, but he won't be to me a son. So when the hearts are turned away from each other, you create the right conditions for a curse to strike. 
And that's why people who don't have good relationships with their parents are in danger of experiencing a curse. And a curse is just a frustration, you see. So you see that you plunge your life into some kind of frustration and things don't work out very well. Hallelujah. Right? So it's very important for us to expect offenses. Don't let it take you by surprise. Don't assume that because it's my church, I can't be offended. Because he's my pastor, he can't offend me. Do you get it? Because she's my wife or because we are on honeymoon. So there cannot, there cannot be offense. You get it? Yes. They can, because we are on honeymoon, there can't be an offense. No. Because you've gone to the moon. Yes. Honeymoon, honeymoon spots are one of the popular places for offense. Yes. People go on honeymoon and come back fighting. Yes. Do you get the idea? So don't expect that because he's my son, he cannot offend me. Or that because he's my dad or mom, um, I cannot be offended by them. Do you get it? Yes. Now, number two is that expect to be offended by a close person. Do you get it? Expect to be offended by a close person person. John chapter 21 and verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Amen. Amen. Now, usually we read this verse to um, demonstrate what love means to the Lord. Amen. Or what it means to love the Lord. He said, feed my sheep. This is one of the reasons why every believer must become a shepherd because becoming a shepherd you know is simply one of the ways to show your love for the Lord I mean because it says it plainly here do you love me do this isn't it yes and what he said they should do is to feed his sheep so it means the way you show love to the Lord is by being a feeder of his sheep. Do you get it? Yes. After you have been fed and fed and fed and fed, then you now also join the feeders. Amen. Amen. And that is a way to show love. Hallelujah. But then you also see in this particular verse, you know, how that it seems that Peter was close to Jesus. Do you see? 
And if, this is John chapter 21. And just before then, somewhere, Peter had denied that he knew Jesus. You know, someone who had walked with him for a number of years, who had been trained by him, who had been coached by him, you know, suddenly and appointed by him, suddenly said he didn't know him when he was in trouble. Do you see? Yes. And so when it's all over and Jesus appears to them, it becomes an appropriate question to ask. Do you see? Yes. That do, do you love me? Do, do, you, do you love me? <laughs> yes. Because when it came to the crunch, you ran away. <laughs> yes. When I could have hoped that Peter would defend me, you know, you ran away. You know, and you were gone. You see? So, it could be that, you know, Jesus must have felt that disappointment. You see, that, you know, um, someone that you were counting on to look after the church when you are gone. Someone you were training to be the leader of the pack suddenly denies you when he comes under a little pressure. Do you get it? Yes. And some of us are like that, sadly, that when we come under a little pressure, you know, then our disloyalty manifests. You see, yes. We'll throw anybody under the bus, you know, real quick because we have come under some kind of pressure. You see. So, um, Jesus experienced that from someone that was close to him. Amen. Amen. We must all expect. So, when someone is close to you, you should walk with the person, but expect that this person will also be a source of offense. Psalm 41, there's an interesting one there. Are you still here? Yes. Yes. There's an interesting one in Psalm 41. Psalm 41, we read about um, David. Psalm 41. And verse 9. It says, yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Do you see? You know, when you read this psalm, you see that David was a man of God. He was someone loved by God, but he was hurt. And he's admitting it. Do you understand? He says in verse verse, um, 5, he says, Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die? (laughs) And his name perish. You get it? Yes. 
And sometimes when you see people speaking so many negative things and you hear people saying so many negative things, you know, it can hurt so deeply. You can't help but ask such a question. Yeah. Oh, we are reading a Bible verse. (laughs) Yes. You see that even as as you are reading it, you are feeling shy. (laughs) It doesn't look like a verse in the Bible. But there it is. You see. He said, my enemies speak evil of me. When shall, his die? when shall he die and his name perish? Yes. It says, and if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. And then when he goeth abroad, he telleth it. Do you see? Verse 7, all that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. You know, yes, this is when people... Uh, maybe an unfortunate something has happened to you. You're sick, you've been in an accident, you've lost a loved one or something, and then you hear what people say. You know, when Prophet's son died last year, you know, I was amazed at some of the things that people were saying. And I was thinking, you know, people are wicked. (laughs) People can be very wicked. You know, yes. Yes. When shall he die? (laughs) So that's why they say that, you know, next to the devil or demons, the next evil creature is man. (laughs) Yes. The next thing that has the biggest potential for evil is man. Do you see? Yes. But people were saying all kinds of things. And you just wonder, as though losing your son is not painful enough. You know, and for somebody to say such a thing at such a difficult time of your life is fantastic. How insensitive, but that's how it is. You get it. So that's what brings us to verse 9. You see, you understand now why he's talking like that. He said, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted and which did eat of my bread hath lifted up his heel against me. You know, that's someone close who is now attacking you and hurting you. Hallelujah. Yes. And so expect it. Expect that close people can also hurt. Are you understanding it? Yes. Expect it so that it doesn't overtake you and that you are not surprised by it. Amen. 
Number three, confess and accept that you are offended. First John chapter one and verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. Yeah, It says Satan's greatest trick is to make you say you have no problem. Is to make you say I have no sin. Is to make you say I am not offended. Are you getting it? There is nothing wrong with admitting that you are offended. It is the beginning of healing. The beginning of healing is to acknowledge the sickness. Isn't it? As long as you continue to deny that the condition exists, you excuse yourself from the medication and the solution to the problem. We are just human beings. You see, the world associates Offense, it feels as though if you admit offense, you have um, admitted a weakness. Do you see? Yes. And people always like to project strength. Isn't it? Yes. People always like to show that they are strong. Especially guys. Yes. Yeah. Guys. And African guys for that matter. Yeah. You get it? Black, black, black boys. Not just the ones who come from or more recently came from Africa. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Because for us, the macho image is important. You get it? The image of masculinity is important. Strength is part of it. You must look like you are rubber. <laughs> that you have no feelings. That nothing gets you. That nothing knocks you down. You get it? You don't cry. Yeah, you don't cry. Yeah, they have a saying that a man doesn't cry. Do you get it? A man doesn't cry. So why were we crying as babies? Do you see? Yeah. So you find that many of us are not able to admit that we are hurt or that we are offended. And as long as you don't admit that you are offended, even sometimes the offender does not even know that it's time to stop what they're doing. Do you get it? And they continue. And they continue. And the more they do it, the more you resent them. You get it? Yes. Because all you're doing is not admitting that it is there. You see? 
but you are not stopping its production. You see, so it's there and it's building up. You see, and when it's being done to you and you're hurting and hurting, but you're not admitting, you see, admittance is a kind of outlet. Just to say that it is there. You see, it's therapeutic. It helps to accept that this thing this person did has really hurt me. Amen. Amen. So you see that you are a guy. Then you, 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 you try to harbor these things in yourself. You know, then you throw Christianity on top of that. And it makes it even worse because now as a Christian, and if you're a Christian leader for that matter, you, you see, so these are all layers of de- defense against the simple truth that you are actually offended. Do you get it? Yeah. So people don't admit that they are offended. But the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. It's important for us to think of ourselves. See, we are not some really good or really great people who are trying not to be bad. (laughs) Do you understand? We are rather the opposite. (laughs) Really bad people who are trying to be good. You get it? So, when we make it, that's what's to be celebrated. When we do good, you should be clapping for us. Because that's what's unusual. But we have it the other way around. Which is that we think that we are some really good people who are trying not to be bad. So, it makes us hide the occasions where we fail. Do do you see? Yes. Because you have fallen short of the standard. No one must know. You get it? But if you accept that, look, we are are more like bad people who are trying to be good. You get it? When you do something bad, you know, this is me. I'm just being myself. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. If you take that little key I've given you, it will solve a lot of problems even in your home. Yes, because the defensiveness will stop. Sometimes what brings the fight is the defensiveness. The unwillingness to admit. You get it? Even It's something small. It's of no consequence. But just say you did it. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, just, just agree with me. You see, I'm eating the food. The food is not nice. I mean, I mean, I, I'm supposed to say it's nice. You get it? Because it's like, yeah, if I, if I say it's not nice, then it's degrading. It's, um, it's showing that uh, um, you are not a good cook or whatever. I mean, you were not born cooking. is a recently acquired art. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's something you have just added on recently. Yeah, 
So if it has failed once or twice, it's not such a big deal. Just says it's not such a big deal. Yeah, but but allow us to say it. You get it? So if we say it per adventure, um, it will be a basis for improvement. Yes. Yeah. You see the thing. Positive feedback. Or you want me to make a survey and send you an email. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You get it. Yes. And if if you don't want that type of trouble, what you do is when you serve the food, you add a disclaimer. (laughs) As soon as you set it up on the table, then you just put a disclaimer on it. You know, this thing, (laughs) yeah, it's my first time. This thing, I'm not so sure. You know, I don't know if it's going to (laughs) work. You get it? Yeah. Yes. Sometimes you serve it and you put Imodium next to it. (laughs) In case of emergency, this is it. (laughs) Or you ask, do you want some Imodium for dessert? (laughs) Then you know that if it goes well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So let's accept that we are offended when we are. You know, the Bible allows you to be angry. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Isn't it? Yes. What, what, give us that verse. It's in um, Ephesians, right? Yeah, Ephesians chapter 4. Is it verse 24? Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Are you learning something from this? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Do you get it? Now, notice that verse 25 says, Be frank. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. (laughs) Say it like it is. For we are members one of another. (laughs) Do you see? Yeah. So you help me if you tell the truth. And I help you if I tell the truth. Then you two, you are allowed. It says, Based on the truth that you heard, be angry. (laughs) Just don't sin. (laughs) You see, and the sins of anger include what? Violence, abuse, insults, decisions, retaliation. What? Silent treatment. Yeah. It's common. 
especially with guys. Yes, I will not say anything about anything anymore. <laughs> you just be. Can you see that? Yes. And maybe another sin of anger is the duration. And it says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You see, this is what we were saying the other day that maybe, you know, especially in the summer, you get a few extra hours because the sun does not go down early. <laughs> so, so if, you, if you want to be angry with someone, choose the summertime. Yes. So that you can go up to about 8 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, you can even go and live in Alaska. <laughs> if you want more time, go further. Yes. So the further west you go, the more time you acquire. So you can really be angry. Yeah, when you finish, you start coming east. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you are allowed to be angry. But our anger is supposed to have boundaries. You get it? Boundaries relating to action and boundaries relating to how long. The duration. Amen. So admit it. I'm offended. You get it? You are a human being and you need to acknowledge your humanity that you are offended so that the process of healing can begin. Amen. Amen. One of the things Jesus does is to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you get it? So there is medication, there is a solution to brokenheartedness. But if you don't admit brokenheartedness, you will not benefit from it. You know, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. To say, I am strong, you have to acknowledge that I am weak. Do, do, do you see? Yes. You have to. You know, when, if, you, if you enter the room and you say, let the poor say, I'm rich. How would you know who you are talking to? <laughs> you see, except that somebody has to say, I'm broke. Yes, I'm the one you're talking about. Then to that person you say, I am rich. Hallelujah. So there's nothing wrong with admitting that you are hurt. Amen. But let's um, accept that you are offended. Amen. Number four, recognize that you are in danger when you are offended. Recognize that you are in danger when offended. Yes. In other words, see offense as it really is. Do you see? Recognize that you are in danger. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. 
It says, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forget gave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgive it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. Do you understand it? I know forgive, 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 forgive. You get it. But at least he's saying the same thing. Isn't it? The most popular word we're reading is forgive, forgive. Yes. <laughs> but what, what he's saying is that if you forgive someone, I forgive the person too. And so anybody I have forgiven, I forgive him because you forgive him. Does it make sense? Yes. Let's read it again. You know, well, you've even changed the version. <laughs> All right. right. Go back to the other one. Go back to the other one so that we forgive and forgive. <laughs> quick, 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 please. Right. Look, look at it. It says, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. I think you understand it, right? I forgave people because you forgave them. Do you see? Because sometimes we don't forgive people even though the primary offended person has forgiven them. Let's say someone marries your sister and treats them badly. You get it. The whole family is against the person. Isn't that what happens? Yes. We, all, we always think our sibling or our relative is the better part of the marriage. We don't know that a great, a great sister is not necessarily a great wife. Do you see what I'm saying? Or a great brother is not necessarily a great husband. Yeah. So he may be very good as a brother, but very bad as a husband. Do you get it? But this is how the family mentality goes. The family mentality is that, look, my brother? (laughs) He's he's nothing but sweetness. I mean, my brother is just a bag of sweetness. That is all it is. No, he can't hurt a fly. You see the thing? So if this marriage is going down, it's, it's the, it must be the wife. It must be the wife. 
you know, he married a beast. <laughs> and now look, his whole life is going down. That's how we think. But you see, the roles are different. The way you know your brother is not how his wife knows him. You get it? Yes. And so while he can be great as a brother, he can be very poor as a husband or as a spouse. Amen. Amen. So, anyway, we're going off, but let's come back. <laughs> right? So, what, what I'm saying is that Paul is saying that he realized that he's being drawn into something because of what someone has done to another. You get it. So, he says, if you forgive the person, I also forgive the person. You know? So, you're not going to forgive the person and then I keep holding on to it. You get it? Yes. Sometimes some guys refuse to tell their spouses certain things because they, they know that if they light up that box, it won't be easy to put out that fire. Long after they are over the issue, it will be continuing. Do you, you, you get it? Yes. So sometimes some, some offenses, you must not communicate them. You must not share them. Yes. Because, yes, because some people are good at, they, they, will, they will assume, say, transfer the burden to me. Yeah, yeah, transfer, you, you just transfer it to me. Yes. You, you know what that is? It's the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah. The spirit of Jezebel. She looked at her husband and she said, what's wrong with you? I asked uh, Naboth for his vineyard. He says, he's not going to sell it to me. Huh? He won't sell it to you? <laughs> yeah, he won't sell it to me. Is that why you are depressed? Relax. Yeah, you relax. Are you not the king? <laughs> I'm going to make sure that you get the thing. Yes. So now she has taken over his fight. And she actually goes to organize and to get neighbors stoned and killed. And collects the documents on the vineyard. And brings it to the husband and says, stop crying. <laughs> you get it? Yes. So when you take on somebody's fight like that, sometimes long after the fight is dead, you find that the weaker person is continuing to harbor resentment against whoever it is. Are you getting it? Yes. But we, anyway, that's again another side story. But come back to the Corinthians. Let me show you. Because Paul is now telling us why he did that. Why he lets the forgiveness happen. And he says it is because 2 verse 10 and verse 11 he says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Do you get it? That holding on to the matter gives Satan an advantage over you. Are you getting the picture? Then he says, for we are not ignorant of his devices, which means one of his devices is trying to keep you holding on to the matter. That's one of his devices. Amen. 
That is one of the things that Satan does is to keep you holding on to the matter because as long as you are holding on to the matter, he has a landing pad in your life. He has a place, he has a hold, he has an advantage. When someone has an advantage, it means the person has an opportunity. Isn't it? What does advantage mean? He has an edge over everybody. It means he has a lead over you. It means he gets to have a start. He's already advanced. He's ahead. Amen. And so holding on to issues place us into the hand of Satan. Yes. So if you want to know who keeps reminding you about the issue, you should know it's not the Holy Spirit. Do you get it? This issue that you keep playing over and over and over and over and over and over again and you know, it is not that it is not the Holy Spirit. It is Satan because it gives him an advantage over you. You get it? You take somebody who has been abused by someone, you know, and you have this thing playing. I mean, it's on repeat in your head. And through the years, it's always on your mind. And it feels like the fact that it really did happen. And because it is true that it did happen, you are entitled to the replay. Do you see? That, that's the, the way the mind works. It feels like because it is true, because it actually happened, it is okay to replay it. Because you are not doing anything but telling the truth to yourself. It really happened to you. And that, the Bible says, gives Satan an advantage over you. Yes. Because it means with each replay, whatever it does to you, he gets to repeat that. For example, if it makes you feel like somebody was telling me the other day, she says, I feel like I'm worth nothing. Do you get it? Now, when you feel like you're worth nothing, you offer yourself to anyone for nothing. Do, do you get it? Yes. Now, if that should happen just once, like you remember the incident, it makes you feel worthless, and you offer yourself for nothing just once. After that, it's over. But the next time you remember the incident... It recreates a second opportunity. Do you get it? So let's say the first one was on Monday. If you remember it on Tuesday, there is another chance. If you remember it on Wednesday, there is another chance. If you remember it on Thursday, Satan has another chance. So you see, playing the issue back over and over and over and over again always sets him up with an advantage over you. Are you getting the picture? That is why you see that some people's lives are defined by that experience that they had. Do you understand? Yes. It's true. It happened. 
but it need not take over your life. The chapter is how to overcome offense. You get it? It need not take over your life. It need not dominate your thoughts. You don't have to let it dominate your life and dominate your thoughts and continue to be the main thing going on in your head all the time. Because every time it's played, I mean, if we play a song, we dance. If we don't play it again, we can never dance. But if you put the song on repeat, each time the song starts, you stir up another dance. Yes. Don't give Satan an advantage over you. For over an incident that happened once, you shouldn't have to pay for it ten times. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. These are things you cannot undo. You can't undo it. And so, your only power over it is the ability to forgive it so it loses power over you. When you forgive it, you let it go. As long as you're carrying it, it has power over you wherever you go. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Can I borrow this thing? You see, when somebody offends you, something over you. Do you see? Yes. Now, can you come? Pull on this and keep going. They are, now, they are moving out of state. They are taking you with, you see, they have power over you. So, even as they are going even out of state, you are remaining in the state, but they are still controlling your moods from Houston. <laughs> Are you getting the picture? Because you, you, you may be living here, but every time you remember them, they are able from Houston to switch your mood here. So keep moving. Move from Houston. Now go to Salt Lake City. Go over there. She's got a new contract in Salt Lake City. She's, she's taking you with her. Yeah. So, although she's now in Salt Lake City, from Salt Lake City, she's able to control you. Even sometimes now you are in a new relationship, she's able to control affairs in the new relationship. Yeah. Because you are walking around with a memory of what that person did and put in you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes, you are walking around with that memory. And that person continues to have that control. Do you get it? Now move from there, go to New York. And she moves to New York and she takes you with her over there too. You get it? Yes. By this time, you are five years into your new relationship and marriage and the person is still an influence in that. Now you imagine, just guess what? What? How do you rid yourself of this situation? Now, the only way to do it is to forgive them. When you forgive them, that's it. 
you understand what I'm saying? When you forgive them, they can go. Now go, go to New York. They can go to Canada, go to Vancouver, yes? And they go everywhere and you are free. You are free. You are free. You are free. So you see, Satan's strategy to keep you under that bondage is to keep you thinking that if you forgive the person, you let them go free. When it is actually you who are going free. Do you, do you see? Yes, I'm the one who's not being dragged around. But he makes you think that actually, when you hold on to it, you are in control. But actually, she is in control. She, she is in control. She's controlling your mood. You wake up in the morning and you remember you, you, you're cleaning your house and even singing some nice hymns. And your atmosphere is good. Then you come across an old photograph. In, in, in the process of, you know, cleaning the house. And you see this old photo. And here you are, you and this person and so on and so on, you know, 20, 15 years ago. And um, sitting somewhere having, you know, something. Suddenly the whole atmosphere in your house has changed. You get it? Yes, and, and it starts to show on your face. You, you see what I'm saying? Meanwhile, the person is, the person is asleep. <laughs> yes, you get it. And you say, no, I'll not let him go scot-free. Yes, I'll not let him go free for what he did. No, I shouldn't let it go like that. No, I have to hold on to it. I will not let it go like that. So he continues to influence your life and continues to have a major impact on your life. From wherever he is. But when you release, you know, you, you take whatever he did and you say, you know, I forgive you. Take it. Yeah. So I can live my life. I can live my life. And you go on and do whatever you want. But at least I know that over here, there's no piece of you controlling me here. Yes. If I come across a photo of you, I can put it in the trash. Yes. You get it? Yes. Or if I choose to frame it and hang it, it will still have no power over me. Because it's not the picture that's doing it. It is my unforgiveness that is doing it. Are, are you understanding it? Yes. That's why if I hang it on the wall, it's not going to do anything. Because it's just a piece of history. <laughs> yes. It has no power over me. You get it? Yes, the life in it comes from the fact that you have not forgiven. Are you hearing it? Yes. So recognize that danger that when you haven't forgiven, you are in danger of Satan exploiting the issue. And he's going to use it. He really will use it because he has an advantage. When you have an advantage, it's like you have a coupon. 
You see, like a store coupon. A store coupon gives you an advantage over the price of the thing. And most people will use the coupon. Sometimes they will use it even just because there's a coupon. Not because they need the thing. The coupon is the driver of the purchase. Yes. 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 So, when you continue to hold on to unforgiveness, you give Satan a coupon. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and, and he's, he's, he's going to use it. <laughs> you, you see how annoying it sounds. <laughs> yes. You give him a reason. You give him a basis. He's ahead. I see you overcoming this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes. You know, people who are offended are in great danger of Satan taking advantage of their offense. You see, Satan is looking at your heart. He's looking closely to see if the wounds he has helped to inflict on you, you know, the wounds he has helped to inflict on you have become gaping access points for him. Once he sees infections and superations in the wound, he will summon other demons to take advantage of the gap and enter in. Do you get it? Yes. And Satan's ability to take advantage of your wounds is what the scripture warns against. Once you are in wounded, you are in danger of several more demonic attacks. Yes. Are you getting it? Yes. Is it not true? That's why we put band-aids on our wounds. Because once you are wounded, you know there's bacteria on everybody's skin all the time. But they can't harm us or can't do anything because there is no opening on the skin. Do you see? So they are waiting and hanging out on your skin. You see? Waiting and hoping that the skin will open at some point. So then you're doing something, then you get a scratch. And now the skin is open. There's a wound. All the bacteria in that area assemble into the wound and now they try to exploit it and create a new problem. So sometimes when people have surgery, you know, the next thing that people are afraid of is that the surgery will become, that the wound will become infected. Because that one can kill you. You survived the surgery, but you didn't survive the attack on the wound. You get it? Yes. So you see, God has designed our bodies such that even when you have a wound, the body's natural instinct is to close it. You see? Yes. So if you just leave it, you see a, a scab or something forms over it. Isn't it? Yes. Just to close it quickly. Close it. Close it. Close it. Because if you don't close it, demons will come and enter. Yes. 
Yeah. So if you're hurt, buy no matter what, close it. And forgiveness is the closing power. Do you understand? Close it. Close it. Because demons will come and enter it. Yes. When you look at some of our brothers who have gone out, you know, writing things and being so angry and so on, you can see that they may have been hurt, maybe even legitimately. I don't know. But even if you are, you get it? If you don't forgive. Yes, and I told you, it's not news to be hurt. <laughs> yes, if you think that you have something to talk about just because you are hurt, <laughs> you know, it's just nature. <laughs> the world, this life, to be hurt. And everybody will have their turn. Yes. It's not like I will be hurt, but you will not be hurt. No. Everybody will have their turn at a hurt. Something that is painful, something that's annoying, something that makes you angry, something that hurts deeply. Everybody, if I ask right, how many have been hurt before? Raise your hand. You see, yeah. Wait. Yeah. This morning, fresh. Yes. Yes. Raise your hand again. Let me ask. You. How many have been hurt before? Raise your hand. Yes. Do you, everybody look at the number of people. Have you seen the number of people? Okay. Now let me ask a different, let me ask a this different question. How many are breathing this morning? Uh-huh. So do you see the number of people who are hurt equals the number of people who are breathing? Yes. yes. Do you see? Yeah. Now imagine how special a person is if he calls you aside and says, you know, I want you to know something. I have something to tell you. I've been breathing today. (laughs) How special is that? (laughs) It's the same thing. Because if the two numbers are equal, how come the one who is reporting a hurt seems to need some special attention? When the one who is reporting breathing does not get that special attention. Nothing strange is happening to you. Life is happening to you. Life is happening to your marriage. Life is happening to your relationship. That's all that is happening. You have to strengthen yourself to cope with life. Amen. And so recognize the danger. You are in danger. A bad thing has happened to you. If you let it, leave it like that, Satan will exploit it and you'll be surprised that something small that started will eventually drive you out of your home. Yes, will make you homeless. It will drive you out of your house. It will make you marriageless. Yes, from being married, you will be single. It's not because you married the devil. You wouldn't be here. (laughs) You didn't marry the devil. You just didn't survive what happens to all people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? Then the last one for today is decide never to revenge. Yes. Decide never to revenge. Romans 12 and verse 19. 
Wow. Romans 12 and verse 19. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Amen. So one of the solutions and responses to evil is good. Good overcomes evil. Amen. Amen. Good will stand up to evil any day. And good will win the battle against evil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. He says, avenge not yourself. Become spiritual and see things in God's way. Decide never to revenge on anyone that has wronged you. You will be wronged and hurt in such a way that you could fire back. But decide never to revenge or avenge yourself. God is the avenger. Amen. Remember when we read Luke 17 and verse 1? He says, woe to the person by whom the offense comes. So it's not like you are having a bad time and they are okay. No. One of the things God has promised is that whatever a man sows, he will reap it. Yes. And you should trust God. Because one of the laws that nobody has been able to really influence in life and nature is the law of sowing and reaping. That's what sustains humanity. Even the food we eat is run by that law. You put a seed in the ground, you get a harvest. Yes. And the harvest is always more than what you put in the ground. Yes. The harvest is a lot of the same thing. (laughs) That's it. Yes. So you go on maltreating people, mistreating people, yes, people's children, you treat them like trash. Do you see? Yeah. It says, woe unto you, because you will reap as you sow. He says, leave the, ve- the, uh, the, 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 the vengeance to the Lord. It is the Lord's. Vengeance is the Lord. And God's, look at it, look at the verse. It says, um, chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and verse 19. Romans, it says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, read that with me, everybody. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Do you believe it? I will what? Repay. Do you know what repay means? Repay. (laughs) You get it? That means pay again. (laughs) God has a way of getting even with people on your behalf. You don't have to act. 
you don't have to do anything. Hallelujah. Yes. God says, I'll deal with it. Because sometimes when you follow people, they'll drag you to do evil yourself. Then before you know it, even you also need your own forgiveness. And then suddenly, your sins start to cancel each other out. (laughs) I did this, but you also did this. (laughs) Do you see? Yes. And then the whole situation is neutralized. Amen. Amen. So, leave it up to God. Amen. Amen. Always follow that which is good. Amen. Amen. It says, indeed, God is better at exacting revenge than you will ever be. He has asked you to leave those aspects to him. Amen. Amen. Yes. Leave those aspects to God. Amen. Amen. In other words, allow room for God to get involved and to pay back for you. You will never be able to lower your enemies the way God can lower them. Do you see? Yes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also have forewarned you and testified. The Lord is the avenger, isn't it? He can avenge. And he does avenge. Leave it to him and he will do it. Amen. Amen. Trusting God to avenge you starts by deciding to never get involved in punishing or hurting the offending person. Leave them entirely to God and his timing for revenge. Amen. Amen. Leave them entirely to who? To God for his timing and his revenge. Amen. Amen. So let God fight for you. What do you think? Let God fight for you. God will fight for us. Amen. Amen. Even with all that these people are doing, God will fight for us. I believe God will fight for his church. Yes. The church is for God, not for Bishop Dag. Do you get it? Yes. God will fight. I think it's a fearful thing to be fought against by God. Yes. You know, one of the good reasons why God must fight for you is because he sees what you don't see. He has more facts about the issue than you do. Do do, do you get it? Yes. So, let's leave these things to God and he'll fight for us. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's bring the service to us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.
for today's message. Thank you for. Okay. Thank you for your help. Amen. You know, I have two points. Let me just give them to you. Just keep standing. Number six is forgive quickly. Yes. The speed of forgiveness. Okay. Yes. And in Mark chapter 16 and verse 1, the Bible says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Tell somebody, Be not affrighted. Yes. Yes. Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him and he, as he said unto you. Amen. Yes. Now, Jesus is giving us an example, isn't it? Of forgiving quickly and restoring quickly. Even though Peter had denied him, that's one of the last things that happened before he died. Isn't it? He called back for him in just three days. You get it? I mean, as big a thing has happened when your best friend, your most trusted disciple let you down and said that this thing, I don't know you. You know, if it was you and I, I mean, there would be a meeting. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. When, when I rise up from the dead, you see something. Yes. Because you told everybody you don't know me. All right. <laughs> you see, when I healed your... You remember when I healed your mother-in-law? Yes. After When I multiplied five loaves and you took the baskets home. Today you say you don't know me. All right. Yes, we'll see. Yes, and I saved you from drowning. From drowning. Yes. I should have let you drown. You, Peter, you know. And when Jesus rose up from the dead, you know, he could have said, just tell my disciples I'm around. No mentioning any names. But said, go and tell my disciples. And Peter, Peter too, tell him to come back. 
just been three days after such a big issue. But tell the disciples and Peter. Amen. So, some of the issues, as they are left and as they last longer, they become harder to resolve. Amen. But we can take issues on, you know, and forgive them quickly. Amen. It says, how can I forgive? What does it mean to forgive? To forgive is to release all hurts, bitterness, and wickedness from your heart in such a way that Satan stares in shock at a closed door to your heart. You get it? That is, you surprise Satan by closing the door to your heart with forgiveness. Isn't it? Yes. To forgive is to deny access to a horde of demons that are waiting. These are seven things to do that will constitute forgiveness. Number one, dismiss the issues that are thorny and painful. Number two, give up all claims against the person who has offended you. Number three, cancel any indebtedness towards the offending person. Number four, make no more mention of the matter that has offended you. Number five, stop feeling resentment against a particular person. Number six, stop feeling angry toward the one who offended you. And number seven, cancel all punishments that you have planned for the person. You get it? It's so much. I think maybe we still have one more message here. So let's pray and we'll continue next time. All right? All right. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. Let's pray. Everybody close your eyes. I'm sure God is speaking to you somehow. Just pray, everybody. Just say, Lord, you know, touch my heart. Please. Please touch my heart. I believe all of us can think of someone who has offended us or who continues to offend offend us. You know, such people who hurt us, who make us angry, you know, who do painful things against us. I can think of some people. I'm sure you can also think of some people and decide today that I forgive you. I forgive this person. Mention their names to yourself and say, I forgive so and so for what they have done against me in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, yes. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and the grace to forgive like Jesus. Jesus forgave on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We should be able to do the same. Ask Jesus to forgive you and to help you to forgive those who have trespassed against you. In the name of Jesus. Oh God. Help us. To walk. 
in forgiveness in the name of Jesus yes Jesus makabala won shandari ala babaya mikodo shandari ala babara mo shandari ala babara mo shandari bushindem Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Everybody pray, pray and say, Lord, please. Jesus Thank you Lord 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 yes thank you Lord thank you Lord Oh yes thank you Jesus He is able more than able to accomplish what concerns me today he's able he is able more than able he can handle anything that comes my way he's able he is able more than able to do much more than I could ever dream. He's able, he's able more than able to make me what he wants me to be. more than I could ever dream. He is able, he is able, more than able to make me, to make me what he wants me to be. Oh, to make me, to make me what he
as we close the service today, maybe you're with us here or you are online listening to us or watching us or listening to our podcast, but you know in your heart that you are not saved. You are, your own sins are not forgiven. Christ is not the Lord of your life. And if you were to die today, you don't know if you're going to go to heaven or go to hell. Christ loves you. And it's important for you to accept his love for you, which he demonstrated by dying on the cross for us. And so if you're here today or you're watching us and you know that you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I want you to raise your right hand and I'm going to pray with you. While every eye is closed and while every head is bowed, you have a chance to go home with Jesus today. Just raise up your right hand and I'm going to pray for you. Is there anybody here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. Is there anyone here like that? Yes, thank you, Jesus. Okay, I see your hand. God bless you. You know, why don't we all just say this prayer and say it together. If you're online, right there in your home, in your room, you can also say this prayer with us. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and you died for my sins. So I ask you, Lord, please come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Let your blood wash me, Lord. Let your blood cleanse me and make me a child of God. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for anyone who has prayed this prayer and who means it. Because you know the hearts of all men. We pray, Lord, that you bless them with the great gift of salvation. The Bible says, he that comes to you, you will in no wise cast out. So, Lord, I know that you will not cast anyone out who has genuinely opened their hearts to you this afternoon. You will not reject them. I pray, Lord, that they will know your love. I pray that you will show them your kindness in bringing them closer to yourself and in revealing yourself to them that they may know you and serve the only true God. Thank you, Lord, for their salvation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Right now we want to have communion before we sit down. Okay, we want to have communion. So the ashes will bring the communion round. And we want to just take one. We're going to join our pastor, the prophet, as he leads us 
in communion, okay, we're going to join him this morning at the First Love Center to have communion. Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? Are you glad you came to church? How many have found reason to forgive some people today? How many can think of some people who need your forgiveness? Oh, yes. Yes. Will, will you be surprised to find that you are also on some people's list? That your name has been highlighted on somebody's list. Oh, Lord. Father, forgive us. Amen. Does everybody have one? Okay, so we're going to go over to the First Love Center and we're going to join the prophet Bishop Dag to lead us as we have. Father, we thank you for the possibility of having the Holy Communion. Thank you for the Holy Communion. Let the body of Jesus Christ bring healing Amen. to everyone who is part of this. The body of Jesus Christ. The body of Jesus Christ. blood of Jesus let your sins hey how many have beguiled somebody and you need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you let every deception be washed away by the blood let mercy come oh Lord instead of judgment the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus Now lift your hands for your blessing. Lift your hands for your blessing. May the blessing of the Lord rest upon your life from now. The Lord guide you by his guiding light and cause you to escape every curse in the name of Jesus. Whatever represents a curse, whatever represents a curse that you are about to step on on Tuesday, may your foot escape that curse in the name of Jesus. Whatever represents a curse for Thursday, you are escaping that curse may a light shine on your path and may you see the right way may you walk on the right way and be delivered from every kind of evil the Lord bless you 
the Lord, I said the Lord bless you. Can I hear your loudest amen? The Lord make his face shine on you. 